Hello and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. This is a day that has been long awaited by all of us, hasn't it? Uh, looking forward to this for a while, for a few years. And COVID, despite its best efforts, hasn't ultimately stopped this time from coming. So it's a great joy for me to be here with you. And I'm sure it's a great joy for you to be here seeing Thomas and Joanna off, or nearly off, certainly commissioning them. I, I just want to uh, relieve your minds of one thing uh, straight off. The title, La Gran Comisión, the title on the, uh, on the notices this morning, uh, that's simply a nod to the fact that Spanish is going to figure more and more prominently in Thomas and Joanna's life, henceforth. Um, filling up more of their headspace and probably even their dreams eventually. Uh, and that's all that is. I don't intend to preach this sermon in Spanish. You'll be relieved to know. Um, Está bien, hermano? Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. And they don't have to translate for me either. So just to put your minds at ease. Um, well, pray with me if you will, and then we'll have a look at this passage together. All right, let's pray. Father, this is, uh, it is a celebration for us in, in some very important ways. And while on the one hand, it's an act of obedience, certainly for Thomas and Joanna and this church, it's an obedience that um, comes with its own very special set of joys. So we thank you because uh, in fulfilling this call, in answering this call, we're also um, accepting an invitation from you and an invitation to be part of something very privileged. And we pray that as we have a look at this passage of scripture this morning, uh, that some of the reality of that and some of the finer points of that, in fact, would, would come to life for us. This isn't something that you call us to do because you don't like us and you want to make life difficult and challenging for us or because you want to test our trust and our obedience of you. This is something that you invite us to, to participate in with you because you love us and you want to share the joy of what you're doing in the world and the transformation that you're bringing about with us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We pray that that would be evident uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture. Um, and we pray that you would guide and direct our thoughts as we do that together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Matthew chapter eight, tw 28, and the, the, grand, the Great Commission. Um, it's a nostalgic moment for me because um, 34 years ago, uh, yes, I am a seasoned campaigner, Andrew. 34 years ago, I was sitting where Thomas and Joanna are sitting now, in my church back in Bellevue, Washington, in the United States. And at that commissioning service for me is that my church was preparing to send me off to Ethiopia. This same passage was preached. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all of the things that I've taught you. That was preached and um, shared at, at, my, at my own commissioning. So it's a very nostalgic moment for me. Um, but there, there's some things about this passage that I think make the, the, the deepness and the greatness of this moment a little more evident if we look at it more closely. So let's do... The first things first. Let's have a look at this passage carefully and see what it actually says and, and really to whom it actually speaks. So this is Jesus, of course, speaking to his followers. 
preparing, in a sense, to leave his followers. And I'll read through the passage again. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Keep that in your a little thumb uh, mark there. Keep that in your mind, that comment. And some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So at my commissioning, and and very typically, because this is, of course, the classic commissioning passage, isn't it? We emphasize the go, go, make disciples of all the nations. That isn't actually a command in this passage. You forgive me for putting my my Bible lecture hat on, or as my daughters will commonly uh, remind me, my Bible nerd hat on, but that isn't actually a command, go. It's going, or you could even say, as you go. The only command in that passage is make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. And that command, and again, if you'll bear with me, is second person plural imperative. It's you, not you, Thomas, and you, Joanna, you all make disciples of all nations. And this passage in that light isn't a command to individual followers. This is Jesus' command to his people, really to his church. You all. And in one sense, you all have been faithful to that command, haven't you? Because you have discipled Thomas and Joanna. You've brought them up. You've nourished them. You've encouraged them. You've challenged them. And you've walked closely with them. And now you've prepared them so that they're ready to fulfill the ongoing ramifications of this command, to make disciples of another nation, in fact. So you've been faithful to this, whether you sort of realize the grammar of it or not, you've been faithful to this. But it's an important distinction because this is not a task that anyone does alone, ever. And I want to cast our minds back to the first instance in which this was preached. These, These followers of Jesus standing before Jesus, having been called to meet with him in Galilee. And what they think is going to happen is something really big and really exciting. And it's the thing that they have been looking for all along because after all, this is the Messiah. And as they gather together before Jesus, Jesus says to them, he gives them this command, you go and make disciples of all nations. And of course, in another account of this uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts, Luke's account of this, one of the followers of the followers uh, uh, basically coming with this expectation, they say to Jesus, so is now the time? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Is this it? Is it about to happen? They've seen their Messiah. Absolutely convinced Jesus is the Messiah. They've seen him executed on a cross, rise from death and return to them and Now, this thing that they have been told for generations the Messiah will do for Israel, he will push the Romans, the the hated Romans, out of Israel. He will restore the kingship of Israel to the line of David, and he will give back sovereignty 
to the people of Israel for their own nation. And they'll live in a golden age of peace reigned over by the King Messiah. Now is the time. They've been waiting for this. They knew it was going to happen. Jesus was going to be the one to fulfill this. And what does he say to them in that moment? In, in the Luke version, he says, the, the, the kingdom isn't yours to worry about. Don't be concerned about it. Don't think about that. Literally, it's not your business. And then he gives them a command. You, as I have made you disciples, as I have discipled you, now you go and make disciples of all nations. And that for them would have been enormously deflating and scary both at the same time. Because what is he actually asking us to do? He's asking us to go out there now and do the same kinds of things that he did with us before. This isn't about each one of us getting our ministerial portfolio once Jesus ascends to the throne. This is about us doing something very, very different. And these are the same people who only days before were huddled together in a little room in Jerusalem, waiting for a knock on the door, thinking that their time had come or would in any moment. So they're hearing Jesus and they're not believing what they're hearing. And in some respects, let me give you an analogy that I think applies here. A 10-year-old boy comes home from school and he says, Dad, this guy, this 13-year-old kid at school, he's been bullying me for weeks. So I want you to walk me to school tomorrow morning so that we can sort him out. Dad, who's a six foot five rugby league player with a broken nose, says, yeah, sure, no worries. I'll walk you to school tomorrow. We'll, we'll go together. They go off to school. They get there to school in the morning. And sure enough, there's the bully standing at the corner of the school waiting for this poor little kid. And the dad looks at the little boy and he says, okay, now you get in there and you sort him out. And the little boy is standing there, of course, thinking, well, wait a minute, what? this is not the way this is supposed to happen. That's exactly how those followers of Jesus felt in that moment. No, 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 this can't be right. But Jesus said, I will be with you. And he gave them that command. And this is the important thing to consider. This is Matthew's account of the story. Matthew is giving this account to the very people who are the proof that this is possible, that what Jesus commanded his followers to do is not only possible, but its ramifications, its implications are almost unimaginable. The people hearing this story from Matthew are the very ones, they're that next generation on, aren't they? They're the ones who have received the word. They have been discipled. They are now the followers of Jesus. And Matthew is saying to them, yes, Matthew, Matthew was there. He was a witness. In fact, when he says some doubted, you, you, can, you can imagine he may very well have been one of the doubters, hearing what Jesus was telling them to do, thinking, you're telling us to go out there and start preaching? Oh, man, he may very well have been one of the doubters. But what he is saying now to these followers is, whatever we thought, whatever we feared, we did what we were told to do. And guess what? Jesus was with us. He was with us in ways that we never could have imagined. And now you are the proof of that. And he's telling these people as well, and now, because I know you're equally anxious for 
the Messiah to return and to set, everything's, to set everything right. And we're all longing for this. At the same time, this is not the time for you to sit back. This is the time for you to go forward. This command is for you as well, for all of you, because this is not a command any one believer can carry on his or her own. This is for you now as a church. And the beauty of that for us reading this passage and reflecting on that here today is we are the proof, aren't we, of the possibility of this, just as Jesus commanded it. We're here because other people took this, other churches, other fellowships, took this passage seriously, and they discipled the nations. And we are those disciples here now. And it's our turn, right? This passage, this command, is not to an individual believer. It is to the church. It is to you. Today, particularly, it is to you. And Thomas and Joanna are the fruit of your obedience to this command. Well, it's not just a question of the command and the following through of the command, the discipling to Jesus. It's the recognition that what Jesus said at the very end of all of that is probably the most important part of the whole thing. I will be with you. I will be with you, even to the very end. That was the thing that those followers in the first instance really had a hard time getting their head around. And it took them a while, didn't it? And there's no reason that we should find that an easy thing to trust or accept, but it is a necessary thing to trust and accept. We wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. We wouldn't be sending Thomas and Joanna off to do something which is, if you think about it, a little bit counterintuitive. As the world for those disciples in the first instance, as the world for those followers of Jesus who were hearing Matthew give this account in the second instance, and as our world today is a scary place. And it's scarier now than it's been for a long time, isn't it? You don't have to think too hard about the situation of the world to know that what we're sending Thomas and Joanna off into, that big world out there, even specifically Peru, is a bit intimidating. It should be a bit intimidating. But that's why it's critical for us to hold on to this promise of Jesus, which is that he will be with not just Thomas and Joanna, he will be with you as the ones who are called and commanded in this passage to make those disciples. He will be with you. What you're doing today, whether you thought about this or not, and, and uh, I appreciate Jenny's prayer and even some of the other comments because I think they give us a little hint of this. But what you're doing today is you're tying your future spiritual well-being to a community overseas in a place in a nation called Peru that you don't even know, that you haven't met, that you know very little about, but henceforth your spiritual well-being and life will be directly tied with the spiritual well-being and the life of those people, your missionaries, serving and discipling. If we could see the world on a chart, as I sometimes imagine God sees us, we would see this incredible web network of 
spiritual links from churches in Australia with churches in Ethiopia, churches in Japan, churches in Japan with churches in China. And it would be almost incomprehensible. Only really God can make sense of it. But that's the reality. That's the reality. That's what you are sending Thomas and Joanna off to do. And you're subscribing to a view of reality that is contrary to the one the world wants you to believe. The world wants you to think that, yes, the world is a scary place. Yes, this is a very, very difficult thing to do. In fact, humanly speaking, it's almost senseless. Why would anyone do this? And why would anyone encourage a young couple like Thomas and Joanna to go off and do this sort of thing? That's exactly what the world would like you to think. And it will continue to reinforce that message to you as a church, as long as you're committed to following through with your part of this command and invitation. But that's the world's view. That's not reality. That's not reality. The reality is, at this time, Today, as I'm preaching to you, at this time in the history of the world, there are more gospel workers, there are more cross-cultural missionaries serving God globally in the world, and there are more people coming to faith in Christ, becoming his disciples, that at any time in the history of the world, that is true. It's even statistically verifiable, but you'll never hear about that in the news because the world doesn't want you to know that. You will look at Australia as a church where you live and where you have your spiritual roots and you'll sort of look around and you think, gosh, you know, it's a tough place to be a Christian. Christ is not respected here. And to a certain extent, that's true. But that's not even the whole picture of Australia, but it's certainly not the picture of the world. The picture of the reality, of the spiritual reality of the state of the world is that this is the greatest time of the movement of the gospel ever. And in the 34 odd years that I've been a missionary, that has been exponentially increased, even in that period of time. I went, we went as missionaries to Ethiopia in 1987 to make disciples in Ethiopia. And when we left in 2008, Ethiopia was sending those disciples to the places in the world as missionaries that it would be very difficult for me to go to, to places like Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and China, and so forth. And it's very possible, quite possible and even likely that Thomas and Joanna will have Ethiopian missionaries as their colleagues and their team at some point in their time in Peru. That is reality. And that is the answer to the question, when Jesus says, I will be with you to the end of the age. Is he serious about that? Can he be trusted to fulfill that promise? Where do we see the truth of that? Look around. Look at the world. Look at where Thomas and Joanna will be going. And pay attention, because you will see in ways that you never expected, you will see just how true it is. Jesus has never let anyone down who set out to fulfill that promise and fulfill his command to them. And he won't let you down as a church. Because his promise there is not just to Thomas and Joanna. His promise is to you as a church. This is your calling. So my invitation to you, my invitation to you is 
When you're tempted, first of all, to look at the world in the light of the world, the way the world wants you to see it itself, step back for a minute and ask yourself the question, is the gospel still alive? Is anything happening? Do, do, do people care about God at all? And your initial response, if you're looking around you closely, will probably be, well, I'm not so sure. But don't stop there. You've got a special link now. You've got a, a sort of a special insight inside the veil of what God is doing in the world. Pay attention to their story because they will tell you about the spiritual reality of the world going forward that you haven't had access to before, not in such an intimate way. And that is part of the answer that Christ will give you, God will give you, as a fulfillment of your commitment to this command. The world looks like a scary place. It is a scary place. But so much of that upheaval isn't what we take it to be. It is the desperate act of a defeated enemy in the face of the irresistible, the ineluctable, the unstoppable work of God's Spirit in the world today. He's not just a defeated enemy. He's an overwhelmed enemy. And he knows, he knows the truth, the reality of what God is doing. He's doing everything he possibly can to distract the rest of us from that. But he knows the truth. He's not just defeated, he's overwhelmed. And to the extent that you subscribe to the truth about what God is doing, and that's part of what Jesus has commanded here. He's commanded you as a church to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, and I'll use the, the preposition here, into the Father, the Son, in the Holy Spirit, into your fellowship with God himself, into the body of Christ, and to teach them all of the things that Jesus Christ has taught us. The truth about God, not the lies about God that the world wants everyone else to, to hear and to know. And that will be the pointed end of the challenge for Thomas and Joanna. You will have challenges, of course, that if you could imagine them at this stage, would probably give you a real pause. You'd be thinking uh, twice, thrice, about getting on that airplane. Uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, and looking back over 34 years of this, my message to you is just go for it. Go for it. You'll see God at work in ways you could never have imagined. You, you get to see that from the front seat. And the rest of you, if you're paying attention, should be along for the ride as well. That's what you're called to. That's what you're commanded to. And I know without any question in my mind that Thomas and Joanna will, will faithfully do everything they've been asked to do. They will stumble, they will fall, they will probably fail, and God will lift them up because he has promised to be with you to the very end, and he will. He will be there. Having fallen a few times myself, I can tell you, he'll lift you up, he'll move you forward. But that's true for you as a church as well. And if you embrace that command, which isn't a command, it's an invitation, 
you'll be right there with them. My prayer for you is what you see, what you're bound to now as a church, what you see in the future, and what God will reveal for you, which will be special for you as a congregation because you've answered this call in a very particular way, will mean something to the testimony that you have in this community. You will be the people of hope. And that hope, that Christian hope, is not this vague sort of worldly sense that I hope things will turn out okay, which is really another way of saying, you know what, I'm not sure that they're going to turn out all right at all. But the certainty, the deep conviction that regardless of how they turn out, they make sense. They have a purpose. There is something behind all of this. That's your testimony. And that testimony will be reinforced and it will be strengthened and it will be informed. It will be colored and shaped by the commitment that you're making here today. So God bless you for that. He will bless you for that. And I want to pray for you now in closing, all right? Father, we, uh, we don't take this moment lightly because um, there are big commitments at work here, commitments on the part of this church, commitment on, on the part of Thomas and Joanna. And all of us who love them, we do love them. It would be uh, meaningless for us to, to call them to this, to support them in this task and encourage them in it if we didn't love and care for them. But of course, it makes it all the more poignant then for us to turn around and send them off, to let them go. And because we trust you, ultimately, we can do this. And only because we trust you, ultimately. So when you tell us that Christ will be with them to the very end, we remind you of that promise. And when you promise us as his people that you are with us to the very end, we remind you of that promise too. And we ask you to help us see the reality of that and the truth of that played out in the life of this congregation here because of its faithful commitment to you, because of the hope that it has in your purposes, because of the desire that it has to be faithful in all respects in this part of the world. We pray that in your hands, you will make this work in a way that no one could question that it was you, only you. And we thank you for the certainty and the faithfulness and the history that we have to look back on your promises to us to know that this is in fact what you will do. We thank you for that. And we pray that you would give us the faith to see it at work. In Jesus' name, amen.